We're back after our small break, and there are so many exciting things that I can't wait to share with you all. The most significant news since our last episode is that the American Family Insurance Institute for Corporate and Social Impact is now the presenting partner of Jet Constellation's Milky Way Tech Hub. The partnership aims to build new startups and drive diversity in tech. So to share a bit more about this new and exciting partnership, the American Family Insurance Institute for Corporate and Social Impact is a venture capital firm and partner of choice for exceptional entrepreneurs who are building scalable, sustainable businesses in a long-term effort to close equity gaps in America. The Institute invests in companies working to build resilient communities, to provide economic opportunity for all, to create healthy youth development, and to increase learning and academic achievement. It is currently based in Madison, Wisconsin. We're excited to see where this new partnership with AmFam will take us, and we are looking forward to the amazing things that we'll accomplish together. So there are good things ahead for sure. I'd also like to give a shout out to our recent partners, Penrod Software, which is a local software company in Milwaukee. They are supporting the Milky Way Tech Hub through lending their physical location for our monthly Milky Way Tech Hub meetup. So super excited about that partnership as well. They have an amazing location and you definitely need to make your way out there and check it out by attending our next meetup on August 24th, this weekend. So I hope to see you there. So many incredible things happening in the Milky Way Tech Hub. So I encourage you to continue to follow what's happening closely so you don't miss a beat. Our shooting star of the day is Emmett Chappelle. Biochemist Emmett Chappelle discovered that a specific combination of chemicals caused a living organism to produce and emit light. Chappelle's innovations in harvesting the power of bioluminescence facilitated important findings within the fields of biology and chemistry. In 1963, while working for NASA, Chappelle began exploring the qualities of light given off by different life forms. In charge of developing instruments used to scrape soil from Mars on NASA's Viking probe, Chappelle realized how chemicals gave off a measurable light when mixed with materials containing living cells. He applied this to detect bacteria in urine, blood, spinal fluids, drinking water, and foods. Chappelle also advanced the development of laser-induced fluorescence as a means to detect plant stress. This technique also allows scientists to determine the health of crops and measure their productivity based on the amount of light they emit. Using this information, farmers and crops specialists can adjust planting, irrigation, and fertilization patterns, greatly improving food production. This guy was super cool. As an exobiologist and astrochemist of NASA, this guy literally focused on searching for extraterrestrial life, which is pretty awesome. Our shooting star of the day is Emmett Chappelle. Our tech topic of the day is breaking down artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence is something that we literally use every single day. If you have a smartphone, then you're using artificial intelligence. It's literally become a part of our everyday life. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we understand it very well. So let's dive in. AI means that machines can perform tasks in a way that is intelligent. These machines aren't just programmed to do single repetitive motions. They can do more by adapting to different situations. So that is the simple definition of AI. 
Again, if you're using a smartphone, everyone has a smartphone at this point, you're interacting with AI. And we're doing it all the time, right? Now, machine learning is technically a branch of artificial intelligence, but it's more specific than the overall concept. See, machine learning is based on the idea that we can build machines to process data and to learn on their own without our constant supervision. So I'd like to take a closer look at what both of these concepts really mean and how they're developed. So to, to take a closer look at machine learning, see, it's developed in the artificial intelligence field. The first breakthrough involved realizing that it was more efficient to teach computers how to learn than to teach them how to perform every single possible task and give them information needed for those tasks at hand. The second major breakthrough was the invention of the internet. So the invention of the internet led to a massive potential for information storage that had never, ever been seen before. So now machines could look at amounts of data they'd never had access to before and could use this data to provide insights through machine learning models. So this is where neural networks plays a role. Neural networks allows computers to more closely mimic or simulate human brains while still being faster and more accurate and ideally less biased. Well, we won't get into that today. <laughs> Neural networks are a type of computer system that's made to classify information like our own brains do. For example, a neural network can look at a picture and recognize the elements in that picture and classify them according to what they show. Now, neural networks are not as accurate as humans as of right now, but the level of accuracy that they're able to output helps them to make decisions, which provides insights to humans. These networks use the data they have access to to make determinations. The data doesn't allow them to be perfectly accurate, but they can make decisions based on what's most likely to be right. AI autopilots is a really good example of the use of artificial intelligence. So AI is used in commercial airlines, surprisingly, <laughs> since... Um, 1914. So depending on how loosely you, you define autopilot, the New York Times reports that the average flight of a Boeing plane involves only seven minutes of human steered flight, which is typically reserved only for takeoff and landing. Another common use of artificial intelligence is Uber. Uber uses machine learning all the time for uh, determining ETAs for rides, estimated meal delivery times for their app Uber Eats, computing optimal pickup locations, as well as fraud detection. Smart email categorization and email filters for spam are also pretty common uses of artificial intelligence that are used on a daily basis as well. So implementing artificial intelligence in your business or everyday operations can increase productivity and provide insights that help you to really evolve your day-to-day -day work or your business operations. A while back, I had the chance to speak with Raymond Roberts, a local data scientist and data enthusiast. A brilliant man with incredible insights on all things data took a moment to share a bit about his journey. Let's listen in. Okay, so today we have Raymond Roberts on the show. How you doing? Well, well, thanks for having me. 
So before we dive into who you are, I want to get your take on this quote. STEM skills are life skills. Do you believe that's true? Yes. Why? Um, well, I'm just looking at our world and how it's moving right now. Mm-hmm. So when I hear the word life skills, I think about navigating life and what do people usually care about or what are they mm-hmm. interested in in life? And that's mm-hmm. usually, you know, happiness, prosperity, freedom, a little bit of control over how your life, how you navigate this world. So um, while I often see it as a popular thing, especially on social media, about how you don't need science and math and technology to get by. Um, the world I'm looking at more and more, mm-hmm. you're going to want those items to have a whatever you call better life. I agree. I 100% agree. I do believe that at this point, STEM skills are life skills in the 21st century. So tell the listeners, who is Raymond Roberts? Um, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> it's a deep question. <laughs> <laughs> I, right, you know, at least with the aspect of technology and mm-hmm. education, uh, I feel mainly like um, definitely not an educator. I think I more feel like spreading the good news. That's, if I look at the things I mostly do, it's... um finding information and then finding out how many people I can get it to as quickly and as efficiently as possible. So just getting the good news out. The good news about technology? Um, well, again, I, while we talk about technology, I talk about technology mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I try to keep it in perspective that it's about people. So mm-hmm. technology is a tool. It's not an end all. It's not, it's not, it's it's not the ends. Mm-hmm. It's a means for better serving people. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, it's not about people. It's not about technology. It's about mm-hmm. how can this tool be leveraged to better provide for people. So you're not a educator, just an advocate. For an you. advocate, a proselytizer, a okay. zealot. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. So you say you spread the good news. How do you do that? Do you have a vlog? Do you have a blog? A YouTube channel, or do you just you do it by sort of running around and and spread the good news hearsay type thing? Yes, all the above. <laughs> <laughs> all of the above. Well, you have a blog. I do have a couple blogs. Um, okay. you can find me through Medium. I write on LinkedIn. Oh, you're on Medium. Write on Facebook. Okay. So, um, yeah, I talking about data and usually in the financial sector. Mm-hmm. Um, I started about seven eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, started with this idea of I was going to post and write about my trades before I made them mm-hmm. and then have video of my trades in real time. Because back then, and I, I don't know if you can say back then, because you can probably see it a lot with uh, Bitcoin still. I call mm-hmm. them the Bitcoin hustlers. Mm-hmm. So when they're up, you hear them talking. Yeah. When they're down, it's quiet. phone's disconnected. <laughs> so I want to separate myself from those guys. So I decided no matter what happens before mm-hmm. the trade, during the trade, after the trade, I'm going to stay connected. So um, I started that, yeah, about seven, eight years ago, you know, got oh, big wow. out in Japan. You know, that's a joke. It's a whole <laughs> bunch of foreign folks follow me because they always wanted to know. <laughs> okay. But um, they're on top of things before us usually. <laughs> But, you know, people started um, connecting with me personally Mm -hmm. through that. And what I found was, even though, so how we talk about tech today, Mm -hmm. then I was talking about money. 
But what I found, whether it's tech or money, there's still people behind it. And a lot of people are just asking me, I'm not going to say life questions like about their relationship, mm-hmm. although that would come up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, day traders, you know, yeah. hey, my girl th- told me she's going to leave me if she wakes up <laughs> in the middle of the night and I'm in front of the computer again. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that overall holistic aspect of the person. So from there, I just started sharing my thoughts and my feelings first about my trades you know, mm-hmm. being concerned being scared and what I lost how I felt mm-hmm. and it just got more to my life and so yeah now um it's just I just made it a part of my life it's not something that I do as a gimmick or anything but mm-hmm. that's now I can't help myself I write daily probably daily. post probably post anywhere from five to seven videos a week um wow uh ranging anywhere from five minutes to 30 minutes um, I did not know that yeah, and and it just and I think the reason why it became a part of my life is, uh, you know, there's another saying, another myth is that nothing good comes from social media. Nobody's real. Uh, when you do it that consistently, it's nearly impossible to be fake. Yeah. So because your authentic self is bound to come out. Right. I mean, no one's mm-hmm. that good. It's kind of like. You can be whatever you want to be on a first date. Mm. Good luck doing that for two, three years. Oh, wow. Now, you, you hear about the crazy stories on Lifetime about the con man with the other family. Yeah. But most people, it's, it's really hard mm-hmm. to be something other than what you are. Right. And I kind of liked it as an accountability measure yeah. because, um, again, seven, eight years, people are f- watching you even when you think they're not. Mm-hmm. So you learn how you might only talk to this, you know, I was always getting into information, you know, talk about technology, mm-hmm. having these little debates and battles. And mm-hmm. you might think, oh, it's the same five or six people. But then you realize if there's five or six people talking to you at that point, there's 100, 200, 300 people watching. Um, and they're watching everything you do. Wow. If I conflict on something I've said, I've had people write, you know what, three years ago mm-hmm. you said this. So it, it makes you better. Yeah. But, you know, it, it really refines you. Yeah. And by refining, I mean the fire. Wow. No, I really like that. Um, so consistency, would you say, um, breeds authenticity? Absolutely. Um, when people dis- who know me or mm-hmm. know, through, know of me through mm-hmm. my social presence, that's what they say. You're consistent. Yeah. You're even. Um, so, but does consistency make you more of who you are or makes you more of just what you're consistently doing? I think it depends on what you're consistent to. Ah, so okay. I'm known as someone who's consistent to the truth. Okay. The search of the truth. Okay. Uh, given what I know, mm-hmm. um, how I speak, um, I, I'm very, I, I actively work to be articulate between what's a fact and what's a feeling, mm-hmm. what's objective, what's subjective. Uh, so that's part of it was something I started with. Part of it was a persona that people fed back to me. So I was like, you know, yeah, I like that. So I rode with it. But I think if your consistency is to something that has some kind of solid substance to it, it Mm -hmm. can't be wrong, but you can be consistent to false things. And Mm -hmm. that's a whole nother world. Okay. That's interesting. I'm going to study consistency a bit more and how it relates to authenticity. Thank you. So speaking about blogs and 
blogs and other mediums. Recently, I did a vlog on LinkedIn. So I'm starting to do videos on LinkedIn, and it's just the most uncomfortable thing for me because I typically <laughs> am um, one to be behind the scenes. But now that I have my own company, you know, I'm forced <laughs> um, to be the face. And so I'm just getting the whole brand out, the Milky Way Tech Hub brand out. I'm, you know, forced to sort of make these videos uh, to help with that. And so I, I did a vlog recently, maybe like four days ago, and it was around how quickly technology is advancing. Okay. Right? And so we're living in an era where, you know, folks um, in the past could probably couldn't even imagine some of the things that we're working with today, whether it's, you know, TVs, um, airplanes. Now we're, now we're talking about, you know, um, uh, self-driving cars and right, right. Um, these drones, um, all sorts of technology. Um, and so it just makes me wonder, like, what was in it in the folks that, you know, wh- where they were faced with people who said that's not possible, yet they still decided to move forward and break those barriers um, and decide, you know what, there are no limitations. I can, I can do whatever I want and make it possible. Um, and so that, that whole video that I did was just sort of talking about how, you know, for one, I'm grateful for the people who said, you know what, I'm not going to say something's impossible. I'm just going to, I'm going to figure out how. I'm going to figure out a solution or navigate this, right? Um, and so then I asked people, I said, if you were told that there were no limitations, what technology, what, what would you create? What would you innovate? So I'm asking you the same thing. If you were told you had no limits, anything was possible, what would you create, Raymond? <laughs> if there were no limitations. Yep. Uh, I don't know how to answer that because I guess I'm one of those people that doesn't respond to stated limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be the same things that I'm doing right now. What's that? Uh, so I started out with statistics and economics. And mm-hmm. you probably heard people say correlation is not equal causation. Mm-hmm. The idea being that there's certain things you can't predict or you mm-hmm. can't tell what causes it. Um, I... My, basically, my life is built around saying I, I haven't been presented the evidence proving that. So my goal is, you know, there's things we can count. Mm-hmm. But if you think about life, the things that matter the most, you can't count them. How do you count happiness? Mm, the things that matter the most, you can't quantify. Um, and I, that's, I think Einstein said it a great way. He said, um, most of the things that you can count don't matter and most of the things that do matter you can't count so i live my life to challenge that at Uh least professionally where okay challenge accepted i i'm not convinced that you can't count happiness um you know when people say different backgrounds different strokes for different folks Mm -hmm. i challenge that i think there are some things that are just universal or at least can be translated across cultures, across people. Mm-hmm. There's some basic things, you know, especially in today's age with the way the world's going. That's a pretty popular thing to say that there is no absolute truth. There is no right and wrong. Mm. Um, and because it's not an easy answer, a lot of people give up and accept that. Um, I don't. Mm-hmm. So I, I live as if there are no limitations, even though people claim they are. Okay. And so, what exactly are you creating right now, then? 
I personally believe that we're all creators. And okay. I encourage all of my friends to find the creator in them. And they're always like, I'm not an artist, and I don't create anything. And I'm just like, <laughs> no, we're creators. We are, we are very intelligent beings. So let's innovate. Let's create. Let's design something together. So I asked you earlier, I said, you know, if you were told you had no limits, what would you create? And you say you live your life as though there are no limits. Right. So then what are you creating? Um, well, off the top of my head, no particular order. Mm-hmm. I'm building an army. Okay. So I was raised in a world that told me that in order to build an army, you have to have an official position as a general with a nation. Okay. Um, I wanted an army of people in tech. So... I was told, oh, you need to be in a university. Mm-hmm. These are things I did not respond to. So right now, yes, across the country, I have people who are not in tech mm-hmm. that I interact with, and I get them into tech. Mm-hmm. Um, I ex- actually today alone spoke to an individual who's living out in North Carolina, packing up his wife and his kids. They're mm-hmm. coming up to Milwaukee for Dev Code Camp um, oh, really? for three months. Wow. I have a, another gentleman. Um, he's coming up uh, tomorrow actually Mm -hmm. to get a layout of Milwaukee Mm -hmm. and so building an army of individuals who um, they're just needed to hear the information they needed to hear the recruitment pitch you know so I'm a recruiter right now giving them that organization Uh, so that's one thing that I'm building right now and what's the end goal for that what's the, the ideal outcome of that empowered people so um I'm not planning their lives i'm basically saying here are the things that i have access to or i'm Mm -hmm. aware of you won't be worse off for having them too Mm -hmm. and i provide a faster way so i call it time travel Mm -hmm. so something took me five years to get it i create a path for the next guy to get it in one year Mm -hmm. and i pass that off to as many people as i can okay so just it's uh i say if you want to tear the system down learn the system, mm-hmm. and give the cheat code to everybody. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing. I love it. I love that. So now when I ask that question of other people, what would you innovate? What would you create? What technology would you develop if there were no limits? They said, um, I got answers like, an invisible cloak. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's pretty cool, too, if you're honest. <laughs> or um, technology that will allow me to walk through walls. <laughs> Do you have anything as ambitious <laughs> as that? <laughs> um, I feel bad now. <laughs> or I feel like I don't have much of an imagination. No, no. <laughs> no. Um, I guess I'm happy with... I guess I, I don't... Well, just hearing those two, I don't really feel like wanting to be invisible at times in my life. No. Um, so there's that. <laughs> uh <laughs> What was the other one? The invisible cloak. I guess that's invisibility too. Walking, Walking through, through walls. walls. Um, I I don't really normally Someone think about exit Someone said an invisible plans. toilet. An invisible toilet. So you can use the bathroom wherever you want. Okay, because I wasn't going to ask for details on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> I was just yeah, going to let that no, one go. No, I was go. looking at my comments. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> no, um, 
I mean, I guess if we're going to talk in that light, I guess mm-hmm. I'm supposed to say a potion where everyone stays alive or time travel or <laughs> no, something. No, you don't have to say anything. I mean, it's what I, 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 I liked your first answer. I, I guess what I say. Answer. Time travel. I wish I could time travel and no one dies there. A machine. And no one dies? You, you travel through time forever and you never die. Someone did Someone did say that they would invent um, a time travel machine. And I asked forward or backward. You know, he said backward and I thought it would have been forward. Okay. Especially just like why would why would we go back <laughs> to what time period? I guess. <laughs> um, for me, I think I probably would innovate. Um, definitely something to help with climate change. Okay. Um, to help it help us to get a better hold on uh, climate change and and to help save our Earth. Um, just because I know that it's a huge huge issue and. And I'm with you about truth. I think there's so many folks who debate, oh, yes, climate change is a um, problem. Other folks are like, no, it's not a thing. And I think that just, you know, inventing something that helped us to really um, hone in on what the issue is, right, Um, and really get a a really good grasp on it um, to help save our Earth, I think that would be pretty cool. See, I agree that climate climate change is real. And um, but I think it would be easier for you to create some machine that just cleans up the climate for us, like than, in the ocean, than dealing with I the read, real problem. I read like in um, in twenty by twenty fifty, there's going to be more plastic in the ocean than fish. That almost brought tears to my eyes. I'm like, what are we doing? Like, that's not okay. <laughs> well, you look at the numbers. There's a a minority population mm-hmm. of the world who is doing a majority of the quote-unquote damage so to me when we have conversations about climate change yes that is definitely an aspect of it what machines can we build to clean the air and the ocean things like that to better take care of garbage but i see those as addressing the symptoms um the root cause is us Mm -hmm. um specifically whether you want to look at the four percent that is americans or Mm -hmm the 10-15% that are living first class you have to find a way to get us to see how what we think is the right way to live is not just hurting others but mm-hmm. hurting us our future mm-hmm. and so that's a culture thing there mm-hmm. um, where an American might read in the newspaper how their cell phone is being put together using slave labor and they might say oh man that's terrible but they ain't about to turning that phone mm. so mm. you said a word <laughs> so yeah it's uh i think uh the hard one i think it'd be easier to make that machine they just clean everything up mm-hmm. than to address the problem which is us you know but that's the world ain't it mm-hmm. everybody's willing to change anything and everything but themselves yeah so i like that right because even when people are faced with the truth A lot of us, I would say most of us humans, don't really do much about it. Oh, yeah. So just just, um, creating something that deals with uh, the issue at hand is probably smarter. I like that. And we know this, um, but, you know, us humans... I mean, look at it. Everybody knows you should save money for retirement. It's not a secret. It's not a secret. But we are a nation with a negative savings rate. So if everybody knows it, but most everyone's not doing it Mm. that's that's the situation you're dealing with Mm. giving people more money yeah i'm not saying don't give them the money yeah but 
you lying to yourself if you think you're just throwing out cash for everybody. Yeah. You think it's going to change something, you know? That's deep, though, because it's making me think, like, even when it comes to truth, how, how meaningful is truth to our society? Well, you know. Because even if we do know that what's true, even if we believe it, what does it mean exactly? Even that question, we don't have that conversation. So a lot of people don't have that conversation at all. Mm-hmm. But we surely don't have it enough. I mean, there's dimensions to honesty and mm-hmm. truth, and there's levels to honesty and truth, especially when you're interacting with people. Um, and, you know, some people even just hearing about it, they want to fight you. Mm. Oh. Just being told there's levels. You don't even got to speak to Ooh, them. It, my grandma used to say, a hit dog will holler. Yeah. You know what that means? That means that when somebody hears the truth and they don't like it, then they start acting up. <laughs> I'm of the camp where we say there's three levels of um, belief. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so you know, what do you value? Someone's like, oh, I value this. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they say they value health or gun rights, there's levels to belief. First one being public. Mm-hmm. A public level belief is like who believes every child should be fed every night. Mm. If they, if it, we all got the cameras on us, we all raise in our hands. Yeah. That's a public level belief. You believe you're supposed to be saying that for the answer. Now, private level belief, you honestly believe you believe it. But when you examine your life, you've made sure you've never been put to the test. So you honestly might believe that you believe every child should go home with a, go to sleep with a full belly. But you make sure you don't walk to the poor side of town. You always drive around. Mm. So you're never confronted with having to put up or shut up. Mm. And then there's core level belief where those people don't got to tell you they care. You just look at their lives, how they walk, how they are, their actions. You just look at them and go, oh, she cares about making sure every kid eats every night. That's why she has a soup kitchen. That's why she's supporting this crew, this group. Your truth lies in what you do. A lot of people here in those three things. I mean, look at our society. Um, It's you're not what you do. That's a lie. That's a lie. Yeah. If you rob people for 20 years, you are a robber. Yeah. You know, but we live in a world where, you know, weather is what we do for a living. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm talking to other mm-hmm. other brothers where they're like, oh, you know, I'm just looking for a good woman and I want to settle down. I'm like, man, I heard your story about the club this weekend. I don't mm-hmm. what you say and what you do. They don't mm-hmm. match. Mm-hmm. But people are led to believe that I can do one thing, but claim I value another. Deep stuff, deep stuff. So I kind of, I want to circle back to what you said you were creating earlier, which is an army. And I myself, in a sense, am creating uh, an army of sorts. Okay. With the Milky Way Tech Hub initiative, right? So branding Milwaukee as the most inclusive tech hub in the nation. Um, And doing so by creating a community of really diverse techies and entrepreneurs, specifically in the tech space. And one thing that I'm doing... um, Along with, you know, my, my amazing team, Jack Constellations, is um, making sure that um, I'm, I'm equipping uh, underrepresented individuals, black and brown people, women, uh, folks who are typically underrepresented in the tech space, with the resources necessary to not just be consumers of technology, but producers, right? Okay. Um, and I think that it's so important because, as we uh, said earlier, you know, STEM skills life skills at this point and so it used to be you know you could survive with what 
the three R's. The three R's. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and now it's like it's um, that's not all that that's necessary. And I know you and I were talking about that um, a couple of days ago, so I want you to kind of expand on your thoughts on that. Yeah, of course. Um, so our conversation was how you how like you said uh, there was a time mm-hmm. I need I'm trying to work back in the day out of my vocabulary. Okay. So <laughs> there was a time where reading, writing, arithmetic mm-hmm. were the three literacies, and you only needed one cognitive competency: critical thinking. Uh, I actually was talking about this in my uh, vlog, my my video log today. Um, about how I remember growing up and there was a joke and the joke was what's the fastest way to your parents basement and the answer was an anthropology degree oh (laughs) (laughs) oh you heard somebody (laughs) okay (laughs) but I said it because that's the old way okay I I'll tell you this right now if I ran into an anthropology major and they were willing to take three or four courses in analytics, Mm -hmm. I would bring them on as a data scientist. Oh. Um, Feeding into what we're saying. So before you just needed reading, writing, and arithmetic for your literacies. You have to know your math, know how to read. Yep. You know, but we have three new literacies, and this is all stolen from a book, Robot Proof, uh, president of the school Northeastern University, uh, Robert Aon. I hope I'm saying his last name right. A-O-U-N. And, um, there's three more literacies mm-hmm. in this digital age, mm-hmm. um, and they are tech, technology, mm-hmm. data, mm-hmm. and humanities. Okay. Coming to, so working backwards, humanities, mm-hmm. our anthropology degree. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you need to know some history. Mm-hmm. You need to know economics and politics. Yep. Um, we have these computers that are more powerful than ever, but if you don't know history... You will mislead people. You will mislead the, you know, right now Wisconsin's dealing with this recidivism algorithm mm-hmm. that because people don't know history, it is hard coding bias and it's locking up yep. black and brown people yep. at a higher rate than white people. Yeah. And if you don't know history, you might say, well, computers, they can't possibly do wrong. They absolutely can mm-hmm. read a book, <laughs> you know. So know your humanities, your history, yeah. your anthropology, yeah. you know. So don't be looking for me in the streets, anthropology people. Um, <laughs> You're very useful. <laughs> <laughs> coming back to data and tech, I I jump on people when they say them in the same breath or sentence. Those are two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Data is all the information we have flying around us right now. Okay. You, How I said I've got seven or eight years of um, public blogging and vlogging. I w- had an issue where... I wanted to take all my writings and just put together a book really quickly. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to navigate it. I had to bring someone in to start navigating and putting that together to to query it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we all this information around you, but how do you utilize it? You, you know, if you pay for everything on your phone, you have the power to analyze your spending habits. Yes, you do. You have people walking around with smartphones, Mm -hmm. not knowing how to do some things. Coming to technology. Just because you got the best phone yeah. doesn't mean you know how to use it. Yeah. We we have people walking around with powerful smartphones. And taking pictures. Not. And, and, I'm, and it's not so much that. They don't know how to answer questions. Mm. Like, I, I came from a background where I know how to 
answer a question. Like you give me Google, mm-hmm. I can answer a question. We have people that know Google exists, but they do not know. know. I used to make that as a test for kids who wanted to come up underneath me where I there was a coffee shop that had closed about four years ago. Mm-hmm. And since then, two or three other businesses had come and gone. Mm-hmm. I would point to the building mm-hmm. and say, tell me the name of the coffee shop. Tell me the name of the last coffee shop that was there. Because basically, if you can see the building, that means you can see the address. And if you have an address, you can go and Google mm-hmm. and you can write coffee shop and so it will pull it up. we're talking about critical thinking here. And connecting it all. Um, but they have Google. They don't know how to query, like mm. to think it through. Mm. So, you know, that, so that's the data and the tech side of it. Those are your six literacies now. Reading, mm-hmm. writing, arithmetic, data, technology, humanities. humanities. So then we talked about the cognitive competencies where yes. we all heard critical thinking. Yeah. And critical thinking, just for recap for folks, is it's just basically a rational and objective approach to things. Mm-hmm. You know, why did you do that? Do you mm-hmm. say because I'm mad, thinking that that is a valid reason, mm-hmm. or do you objectively, critically think through and explain that this wasn't about anger? I did this because of these necessities. Mm-hmm. Critical thinking. We have three more now, and systems thinking is the one that I really feel that kind of st- jump started my career. That wasn't a very popular word ten years ago, mm-hmm. but. Anyone in um, industrial engineering or operations research, this was a term. You know, everyone loves talking about silo mentality and how, oh, we don't want to deal with silos, but everyone practices it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's systems thinking. Do okay. you just look at the part? Are you the person that just goes to work and you say, well, this is the only part of the, I'm only responsible for the tire. Mm-hmm. Or do you look at the whole car and you're like, you know what? My tire is causing vibrations throughout the car and that's causing an issue. Um the last two were entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. which another thing where most that's people big. thought um, that's just a small section of the population who needs that. The world we live in now, if someone yeah. hires you, yes, they want that entrepreneurial mentality. You need mentality. that entrepreneurial mindset. Yes. I, I might be bringing you in as a Thank worker, you. but mm-hmm. I want your head spinning and turning. How yeah. can we squeeze more money out of right. this machine? And I think that people far too often like separate entrepreneurship from um other industries when it can be woven in right to to you know the workforce well you just said it earlier mm-hmm. everyone is a creator yes. so if everyone because the definition of an entrepreneur is someone mm-hmm. who creates mm-hmm. so if everyone's a creator mm-hmm. that means everyone's an entrepreneur mm-hmm. some people are making the excuse that they don't have to t- work that part of their brain mm-hmm. um i think the employment industry mm-hmm. or the environment is going to less and less tolerate such thinking from folks yeah Oh, for sure. I think it's gonna. They're gonna require it almost, right, to innovate, especially with um, big legacy companies, right? How do we keep up with um, the five or six kids in their basement innovating, right, and using technology and being able to move so quickly and agile, right? right? We need we need to bring people on that have that entrepreneurial mindset that can help us to, to keep up, right? And here's why: mm-hmm. if you're only there to do what you did yesterday, mm-hmm. that's a pattern. If you look at the jobs that the robots, and mm-hmm. that's what the book was based off, if you look at the jobs that the books, the robots and the machines are replacing people in, it's the repeatable processes. Mm-hmm. I don't just mean picking up a hammer. You, We now have software that can read through a thousand documents mm-hmm. for discovery, for mm-hmm. law offices. 
That's repetitive. A little bit more complex, but repetitive. That's replacing uh, a room full of young lawyers Mm -hmm. sitting in there reading through this stuff. You're not needed anymore. Mm. Not at that level. You need to step up your game. Mm -hmm. Um, Even economists and statisticians, the days of you sitting there in a room and tugging at your chin and coming up with this equation and you make one every three weeks or one every six weeks, those days are done. You now got one guy mm-hmm. managing a database of models mm-hmm. that's churning out hundreds of them a day. Yeah. Stepping up your requirements. If yeah. it's repeatable, you should assume that y- if the job is repeatable, the job's obsolete. That's coming back to the speed that we're moving yeah. at. It's taking less and less time yeah. to make a repeatable job or a pattern job obsolete. Yes, I love it. So many gems. <laughs> and then our last one that, you know, again, coming back to America right now, mm-hmm. cultural agility. Yeah. There was a time where, you know, if you were the majority crowd or you represented the majority crowd, by default, you were good to go. We we're becoming more and more independent and inter- interdependent and connected global. You know, back in the day, you had international companies. Right, right. What, what that meant was... You had an office in Bangalore and you mm-hmm. had an office in China, but you ran it from America and you treat and you did exactly what you did over there like you did in America. Mm. Those companies don't last no more. Now you have a global company where you might be based out of America, but your people in Bangalore and your people in China, they have a level of autonomy. I mean, take McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Go to a McDonald's in Finland, then Japan, then China, and then America. They will have entirely different menus. That's what you have to do. It has to be customizable and representative of what the customer needs at down to the local point. Mm. Um, what's that? What's that shoe company? East Bay. I remember when I was a kid, mm-hmm. East Bay. You got what you got. You ordered the shoes. East Bay now, they have got it to the point where you can pick the colors, you can do all the modifications, mm-hmm. and those shoes will show up as if they were been sitting in a warehouse, even though they weren't. Huh. So cultural agility. Learning other people, and that's not, you know, learning languages, learning how people think, how they are. Um, you know, the, I, one of my favorite ones that I heard about was Apple when they made one of the iPhones. Mm-hmm. It was released, and they did not have a single person on the team who was left-handed. So this thing goes to market, oh, wow. and if you're a left-handed person, you tilt your phone to the right. Oh, wow. But when they tilted it to the right, it wasn't programmed to actually turn the phone. It was only programmed for right-handed people. Oh, wow. So just think about that. A company's biggest Apple making that kind of a mistake. Yeah. So when people talk about, oh, we don't need this diversity thing, you absolutely do. Absolutely. You heard about the spacesuits with the women. I'm sure those those men did not mean harm, Mm. but that is a clear-cut case that you had no women on that Mm -hmm. design team Mm -hmm. or they were not allowed to speak or they didn't speak. Just weren't included. One of the three. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to survive, you want the most diverse team possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. So let's name it again for the listeners. So, we, of course, we've got our reading, writing, arithmetic. Um, and then it, it was our data, data our tech, tech, technology, technology, and our humanities, humanities, anthropology majors. Don't look for me. <laughs> and then our four competencies where we had our critical thinking. But we also have our systems thinking, looking at holistically, coming back to what you're talking about with climate change. Mm-hmm. You know, how does all these environments interact? Yeah. The entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to be a hustler now. You're either yeah. a hustler or a customer. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and then our, um, our cultural agility, where, 
you know, no more of that. Well, this is how we do things around here. Mm-hmm. Um, you better learn how the world does things and yes. learn it fast. Yes, being able to adapt. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Raymond. Appreciate you. I truly hope you enjoyed that segment with Raymond Roberts. I'd like to quickly dive into an interview that I had recently with the amazing Kiana Minsaw. She shared a little bit about her journey in starting her tutoring program, Back to the Basics Tutoring, and shared a little bit about her upcoming event on August 24th. So let's listen to what she had to say. So today we're here with Kiana Mensa. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. I'm honored to have you as our guest today. So I always like to start with one random question before we even dive into introductions. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. So if you were told that you couldn't fail, what career path would you choose? Well, that's a great question. Um, if I couldn't fail, I would, I would be a teacher. A teacher? Okay. <laughs> yes, I would be a teacher and a lawyer because I can't fail. So I would do both. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. A lawyer for sure, right? Because yes. Because that's really, mm-hmm. that's important to them to win every single case. I got it. Okay. What kind of lawyer? Do you know? Criminal defense. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Supporting your people, helping mm-hmm. your people. I exactly. Love it. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's a um that is a type of superhero <laughs> at that point. Cool, cool. So tell us who is Kiana Mensa? Um, so I am the um, founder of Back to the Basics Tutoring LLC, um, a tutoring company here in the Milwaukee metro area, located in Milwaukee. Um, I am a parent of one. Um, I'm a public servant during the day. Um, and I just, I am just an all around very, very person that likes to get involved in the community. I love that, as am I, um, which I'm sure you'll learn very soon. I'm really big about helping out and playing my role in the community wherever I can. And, and for myself, I think that that's all about um, introducing my community to tech and it seems like for you it's educating the youth correct so what what sort of got you into starting your own business so that's actually a great question um I was taking care of a child that I had and that child was going to the sixth grade but wasn't really academically ready for the sixth grade Mm um there were fundamental concepts that the child wasn't aware of. And as I surveyed the community, I realized that there were so many other children that didn't have those foundational concepts. And so this started off as a passion, Mm -hmm. you know, just being able to give back the gift of learning to those kids Mm -hmm. and giving it in in such a way that it creates curiosity in their minds mm-hmm. and the the want the drive and the motivation to learn um and it just it just kind of just went from there and it just has been such a blessing to be yeah. a part of their lives and just 
it started from just a mere passion and yeah. it's still passion to me but it's just in this in this form it's I'm able to reach more people and it's just been such just amazing experience so it started off with just you tutoring one individual well yeah so I, I started doing one child um well I would say two technically because my own child as well but then it started off with a total of from two to 15 <laughs> mm-hmm. and then we just kind of been growing from there Awesome. So tell our listeners, what are the services that Back to the Basics basics provides? Perfect. Um, So what we do is we provide tutoring for children ages 7 to 14 in reading and in math. Okay. But we focus on the curriculum of kindergarten through fourth grade. Um, And we do that regardless to the child's age. Um, The reason that we do that is because we've learned that so many children are missing the foundational concepts within those curriculums of K through four. Um, And so what we do is we help to identify any academic inconsistency within those curriculums and Mm -hmm. work to close those achievement gaps. Awesome. So what's been the most significant or impactful moment since starting Back to the basics. Wow, that's a powerful question. Um, one of the most impactful things that I would say is being able to see the smiles on my children's yeah. faces when they can see that they actually can learn the thing they thought that they couldn't. Yeah. And then just being able to see their report cards mm-hmm. and how they've improved um, and just and just seeing th- the fact that they, they actually now know that they can do it. Like, that's the most impactful thing for me. Mm-hmm. And that's what helps me, you know, go home and sleep at night to know that I've done a great job. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, you know, it brings me to the question, what keeps you motivated? Because being a young entrepreneur, right, mm-hmm. um, it's not easy running your own business. For right. Sure, right. That's correct. And so yep. it requires a level of motivation. <laughs> Um, to keep you going. And so what you say, like seeing those those smiles and those good grades motivates you? It does motivate me, but it's more so about the change mm. that, I, that, that we're making mm-hmm. that motivates me. Um, mm-hmm. When you can see a child who comes in with missing the most important foundational concepts mm-hmm. and then they grow with with your company they grow with you mm-hmm. and and they and they're starting to learn those things that's what motivate me because i know for a fact that it's impactful um and we're able to continue that and and that's the most that's the most important thing to us sometimes i know like um just throughout the journey of owning your own business, there are like rough patches, right? Where you're like, ooh, this wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Do you ever experience moments where you're like, oops, <laughs> this probably was the wrong turn or maybe I need to pivot? Um, yeah, I think everybody do yeah. when they're in the beginning stages of starting something that they've never done or just going outside of their comfort zone and accepting their purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, you do get that. However, you know, one of my biggest thing is that I've always looked at the pictures that I take of the kids. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, and then I just remember how how important mm-hmm. they feel I am mm-hmm. to them, even though they don't realize that they're really learning, but they mm-hmm. they see it in their school mm-hmm. um, progress. But I, I look at the pictures and I realize that it's mm-hmm. not about me. Yeah. It's about them and all the other children that we're going to come across. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, one of the things that I do, and I um, I love to recommend other entrepreneurs, business owners to do the same thing, is to keep a little um, 
I like to call it like a motivational jar. Mm. Mine's actually a teacup. Tea okay, okay. <laughs> but I um, just get scraps of paper, and every now and then when something good happens, um, I'll, write, I'll write that good thing down and put it in the, the jar, or the, for my case, the teacup. And um, when I'm having a really rough day or I'm like, this was a bad decision, like, I don't know what I'm doing, uh-huh. <laughs> I like to um, reach back into that cup and sort of look at all the successes that I've had thus far and just sort, sort of help to remind myself that yeah, I belong here. There's a reason why I'm here. And so, yeah, just um, hearing you say that you sort of like to reflect back on your pictures, sort of the same sort of concept, right? It totally is. But that's a fabulous idea. I think yeah. I'm going to take some of those yeah, tips. <laughs> it does. It does. And it helps, honestly, to sort of build on that moment momentum too of good things right instead of always focusing on the negative correct so you were talking about passion earlier Mm -hmm. like this is your passion right Mm -hmm. Um, do you think there's a difference between a passion and purpose can you be passionate about something that's not your purpose and do you think that this is your purpose hmm that's a great question you can be passionate about something and it no, not be your but purpose. the passion won't last long. Mm. So if it's something, if it's not your purpose, like you can mm. be passionate about it temporarily, mm. and then after so long, you start to fill that void because it's not mm. your purpose. Mm. Um, That's but good. for myself, yes, I do believe that this is my purpose. Um, if I had it, you know, if you were to put your life dreams down on a piece of paper, like I would have never thought I would be here mm-hmm. but now that I'm in it I I just can't imagine myself outside of it and it has been such an amazing journey just just the the um just the excitement that I get from it like yeah. there are sometimes I can't even go to sleep because I'm thinking about what I'm going to do next what I'm going to do the next tomorrow how are we going to play a new game um things like that um and it and it's it's definitely something that I know for a fact that this is where I was meant to be Awesome. So the last person that I um, brought on uh, or a guest of Down to Mars was sharing their belief on what um, or how people can find their purpose. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. So what he told me is that in order to find your purpose, ask yourself what angers you or what outrages you. And he said use it as a tool because usually um, – what angers you or what causes a bit of outrage is something that you're very passionate about. So I'm sort of hearing this in your story a little bit. Apparently there was an, a child that, that had um, fundamental gaps mm-hmm. and that sort of sparked outrage. Like, what the heck is going on? I agree, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I'm very passionate about education mm-hmm. and just the, the lack of thereof in some, mm-hmm. in some communities, in some instances. Um, and I wanted um as i as i continue to look at it and i see so many kids that are not getting certain things or not necessarily getting it but they just don't have them it does it causes outrage because i i think that every child should have a fair opportunity yeah and that's not always the case whether it be circumstances or just different communities or different life Mm -hmm. life experiences they Mm -hmm. don't all have the same equal playing ground so would you would you agree with that statement then is that your anger or your outrage could very well lead to you finding your purpose? It seems like it did for you. It did for me, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that that's always, completely right. always. But <laughs> well, and that's interesting, right? Because when he said that, normally, you know, even in, in this day and age, they make us sort of go away from anger. Oh, be mindful, be peaceful. And, and they don't really tell us like, oh, use anger as a tool. And this individual is like, 
it's okay to be angry. In fact, you know, figure out what why this causes you to be angry because you could Well, I don't know if I'd said angry. I think sometimes angry people mistake outraged. angry for a passion. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so I would say, yeah, I agree with it to, to, an to a extent. certain extent. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what do you see back to the basics in about five years? That's a great question. Um, so I see um, us growing to an astronomical rate of helping so many kids. Yeah. Um, I could see us expanding, not just in the Milwaukee area, but to other inner cities like maybe Detroit, Atlanta. Really? Um, Philadelphia, depending on where, where we can go. But I could definitely see that. Very okay. optimistic as to how this can help so many kids. Okay. So your your main thing is growing in the next five to ten years. You just want to make sure that you're touching as many kids' lives Correct. as possible. Yes. Okay. And in terms of... Um, the the level of services do you see maybe increasing the level of services yes that mm-hmm. as well and that that's part of that that growth that I talked about mm-hmm. um, because a lot of times our our program money goes K through four um, curriculum mm-hmm. even though we accept children that's older so I would I would love we, we will in the future have an, another part of the program that goes you know more four through eight and, mm-hmm. and so forth so that we can help more kids mm-hmm. or if our kids age out of one part of the program they might still need help closing yeah. those gaps so that mm-hmm. we'll still have another part of the program that can help them okay so will it always be targeting youth or what about older individuals that kind of want to get back um, back to the basics. <laughs> well, you know, I've actually been we've actually been asked that um, there, there have been a lot of adults that have asked us to help with um, them with the reading. Mm-hmm. So I've th- we've thought we about that. It, yeah, yeah we thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we thought about it not because of the market piece, but just because you know sometimes when you're talking about generational curses, especially in education, um, children sometimes children may have a bad educational experience because their parents don't have the right experience. And so maybe if we can help the parents get a better education and it it can also help the kids in the long run. Ooh, I love that. So in our last Milky Way Tech Hub meetup, we were talking about the importance of um, educating the parents, Mm -hmm. uh, making sure that they have a good, uh, like, solid um, foundation in terms of what it is that... um, they need to be educating their kids on mm-hmm, so not mm-hmm. just educating them on certain topics but also like teaching them how to educate their their kids mm-hmm, too which mm-hmm. i think is important as well and i'm i'm finding that more and more parents are really interested in learning more about how they can teach their kids but specifically like in math computer science and stem topics mm-hmm. so i do think that that's a great idea um so what's been your biggest barrier thus far as a business owner um, the biggest barrier <laughs> is um, financing. Um, yeah, for for everybody. For everybody <laughs> in the beginning, right? Um, one of the things that we, you know, we we look to do in the future is get more help mm-hmm. um, because that the fact that we don't have enough help limits how many kids we can actually take. Yeah. Um, and so that's been our biggest barrier because we don't have enough funds to. Mm-hmm. to hire mm-hmm. um, and we you know th- that's the biggest issue or just being able to have a bigger space mm. um, that we can accommodate more kids yeah. so like that, that so you know I'm learning that there are some problems that are kind of good problems right because that means okay if you need more space that means you're doing pretty good that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are people who are really interested mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. okay so we'll keep that in mind so that leads me to my next question is how can uh, what kind of support are you looking for from the broader Milwaukee tech community? 
Okay. Whoa. Okay. Well, that's a great question. So, what one of the things that we're well, a couple of things that we're trying to uh, move forward with is um, we're trying to expand in our services. So we would like to have um, some volunteers. Okay. Um, and hopefully we can turn them into employees in the near, near future okay. if we have enough finances for that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're looking for m- more help with tech, like technology as well. Mm-hmm. Like we want to be able to incorporate more technology. So like right now we currently have just two tablets um, mm. that we use. Okay. But we want to incorporate more technology in the curriculum because yeah. we live in a very tech savvy, oh, yeah, you girl. know, generation. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we want to be able to have that opportunity for our kids to experience that more on a one-on-one basis, not just kind of like a sharing. Um, and um, yeah, that's the the most thing that we need. Um, one of the other things that we we're looking for is like help with transportation okay. uh, because we do run into an issue where some of our kids can't get to our current location mm. because of how far it is from the commu- community. Yeah. Um, so okay, so transportation, <coughs> volunteers, mm-hmm. tablets, laptops, right, so that you can. Um, further implement technology into your curriculum. Right. And then eventually, well, you know, eventually we want to expand on space as well. Um, Just simply because we need more space to accommodate the kids and and the type of curriculum that we offer is involves a lot of free play and movement. Mm -hmm. So we need more space to have our kids uh, to have that part of the curriculum so that they can be more comfortable. By 2020, how many kids do you want to have in your, your cohort, if you will? Um... That I would say by 2020, which yeah. is just in six months, <laughs> yeah. Um, if we got the, the right amount of help, I think 100 would be great. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So now we know what the need is, <laughs> Milwaukee Tech Community, <laughs> Milky Way. <laughs> awesome. Okay. And so, you know, there are a lot of people who I think would love to be a part of um, what you're doing, support in mm-hmm. any way possible. Mm-hmm. There are other folks that might be interested in spinning up their own program. Okay. Similar to yours, what advice would you give people who sort of want to spin up their own STEM program, if you will? Okay. Um, well, I wouldn't say advice, but I always give a ticket, like a token. Okay. okay? Um, don't look at it as a business. Okay. Mm. Because if it's your passion, mm-hmm. right, then look at it as a gift. Oh, I love that. Um, because then when you give a gift away, you don't expect anything in return. Okay. And then that way it, it lessens... <laughs> your chances of getting, you know, getting discouraged from okay. not being able to um, bring in any revenue or just life changes that happen in the the life of an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that way, your gift will speak for itself. Mm. And eventually people will know you by your gifts and then mm. they'll want to come by and help you versus you're looking for something in the beginning. So don't don't chase the money so much as embrace your gift. Exactly. Ooh, mm-hmm. I love that. Well, thank you, Kiana. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here, a part of this, and I really appreciate you taking the time to have us on your show. Kiana is clearly doing amazing things in the community. I want to note that her next event is a back-to-school drive this Saturday, August 24th, from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., located at Restored Hair Salon Business Centers in Brown Deer. Please show up and support. It's something awesome to do right after you attend the Milky Way Tech Hub meetup. Big thanks to Raymond and Kiana for sharing their STEM journey and their journey throughout entrepreneurship.
And that's all we have for you today. As always, give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Jack Constellations and Down to Mars Podcast. Get involved. Our next meetup again is August 24th at Penrod, 219 North Milwaukee Street, 10 a.m. We'll also be at the next New Walking Night Market in, on September 11th. Make sure you give our booth a visit. If you enjoyed this episode, tell somebody. Share it. Down to Mars Podcast functions as a platform for Jet Constellation's Milky Way initiative to rebrand Milwaukee as Milky Way Tech Hub, a tech hub that thrives in diversity. If you are interested in supporting diversity in tech, please donate by visiting our website, downtomarsmke.com.